Welcome to the Home Hour. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Graham. And this podcast is the home at class you wish you'd been offered. We're two moms aspiring to create gracious homes that are welcoming and functional, all while dealing with real life schedules, budgets, and children. Stick with us and we'll share and show what we know, what we've learned, where we've messed up, and how to fix it. For everything we can't make up, we'll bring in the best experts we can find. You're listening to The Home Hour, part of the Life Listen Network. On today's episode, we're talking birth trauma and gardening. I know, I know. Stick with us. It'll all become clear in a minute. We're going behind the scenes and introducing you to a woman whose lawsuit made national headlines and is changing the way we look at childbirth. We'll hear her incredible story of pain, fighting for justice, and how her decision to start a garden not only changed her yard, but her entire outlook on life. Oh, and we learned that mature male urine is a super important component in gardening. All that and more on this week's episode of The Home Hour. Welcome home. Welcome home, Graham. Welcome home, Kirsten. And welcome everyone to The Home Hour. Oh, guys, you know how pretty much every episode we say it's an exciting day. We've got a great guest. I, they all are. But today I really think it might be my favorite podcast we've ever done. I had so much fun doing this interview. Well, yeah, we've been practicing this interview for 20 years. So basically, we're bringing on our college roommate. And you guys are like, everyone out there listening is probably thinking, well, they're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. (laughs) I don't know how much longer this show is going to go on. But we promise we just happen to know some interesting people, as we all do. Let's be honest. I mean, I think that's what drives most of the world to listen to, um, you know, humans of New York. Just everyone has a neat story. Everyone has a cool story. The more you get to know someone, the more you learn that everyone's valuable and has something interesting to say. That being said, our college roommate, Caroline Malatesta, who's a guest on our show today, actually, she just like where she goes, drama and action and craziness follows. Seriously, she's a fascinating person. We're going to tell you a little bit more about Caroline in a minute, but we have a sponsor this show. We would like to introduce you to an amazing partner. We have a great, great deal we have for our listeners. It's a good one. Yeah. So we've partnered with Annie's Kid Clubs. And what they do is they kind of make it easy for your kids to become builders and crafters and makers with different crafting and woodworking kits that they have, basically geared toward children ages 7 to 12. And we had the opportunity um, to try Annie's Kit Club. They sent us each a kit. Kirsten got the crafting one. I got the woodworking one. And while my children are a little bit younger than the wheelhouse of ages 7 to 12, it was just delightful. I mean, I don't know if any of you out there have experienced kind of one of those, you know, crafting kits or box kits. We actually get a different company that someone sent us. And I almost feel as if those were a little bit more um, contrived compared to what we got with Annie's kit. My children opened it and it almost seemed as if a wonderful person um, put something custom together for my children. We got real tools, real screwdrivers and real measuring tape and real rulers. I mean, honestly, I kind of felt like I stocked my own uh, personal woodworking, you know, my own personal <laughs> tool closet Your after getting this. Complete. Yeah. And we built something. We actually built something out of wood and it was serious and it was a real project. It was something Boy Scouts would do. You know, like I could picture my family getting together like for a Boy Scout meeting and this is something we would do. And we had a good time and it took up two hours and it was a fun two hours. I'm sure you could have done it faster, but remember, I'm dealing with a five-year-old and most of the time was spent saying, don't touch the glue. Don't touch the glue. Please don't touch the glue. Um, (laughs) Well, and it was two hours not spent on the iPad. Which is huge. Which is huge. Can I get an Annie's kit every day, please? Um, Yeah, we did the Creative Girls Club and um, it was really fun. 
it was so awesome because all everything I needed, as opposed to something maybe you'd find on Pinterest or whatever, everything I needed was in the kit. It wasn't like, oh gosh, if only we had a paintbrush. Nope, the paintbrush came. And then when it was done, I didn't have to store a bunch of stuff either. I got to move on to the next project. Um, so anyway, right, let's you give you guys the details, the details on this because it's a really great deal. Well, basically every four to six weeks, your child will receive for the Creative Girls two craft projects along with all the materials needed to complete them. Um, but when you sign up, with this deal, Annie's will send the first two kits for only $1.99 each, plus postage and processing. That's 80% off the member price. And then about every six weeks, they'll send you two more exciting new kits for only $9.99 each, plus the postage and processing. For the woodworkers, every month your child will receive a high-quality kind of all-in-one project kit and a child-sized hammer with their first shipment. And the hammer was awesome, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> You're kind of bragging about your hammer. Um, it was a great but- hammer. <laughs> I think I bought worse hammers at Home Depot. It was really good. Well, for this kit, you pay only $9.99 plus postage um, and processing for the first kit. And that's a 50% discount. And then they'll automatically receive a brand new kit about every month for $19.99 plus processing and postage. And basically, at the end of the first three shipments, you'll receive five free tools. So it's pretty great. So there's no promo code needed. What you're going to need to do, though, is head to um, annieskitclubs.com slash life. That's annieskitclubs.com slash life. I know it's a little bit confusing with um, the 80% off and the 50% off. They're different materials and such. So if you want more details, go ahead and just go to our website, thehomehour.com. All the Life Lesson shows are going to have this great promo. So again, annieskitclub.com slash life. We'll put it on Instagram as well. Um, But anyway, give them a try. It's 100% satisfaction guaranteed. And if you need to cancel your membership for any reason, you know, no big deal. So go ahead and give it a try. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Annie. Thanks for that great deal for our listeners. Um, Okay. So back to explaining what our listeners are about to hear. Well, they're about to hear a very real person. A very, I mean, I think we get a lot of people who write in and say, it's nice. It sounds like we know you. We feel like we're friends. So here you go. Here's another <laughs> genuine friend. I mean, she is a friend. So if you listen and you think, wow, these people are really ragging on someone who's been through a massive trauma. Um, no, yeah. know that it's coming from a place of love. Those are the bonds of friendship, you know, that bring you deeper and um, allow you to, you know, to laugh about things over time that are tricky and painful. And um, what's really powerful is Caroline's story about gardening, because she's always thrown herself into many things. But um, really, gardening brought her kind of a renewed sense of joy. And she'll talk about that. And it might be inspirational for any of you out there who are you know, going through anything, any issue, just to pick up a hobby and to really just dive into it. And there's just something about watching things grow and thrive and being able to nourish things that um, really is restorative in so many ways. Right. And Caroline's also a beautiful photographer. We need to send her out to her garden and we're going to have her take some beautiful pictures because we can describe this thing to you. And I'm sure people are listening thinking like, oh, that's nice. That's nice that she's found gardening. Like, (laughs) this is like, she could charge admission to this garden. I mean, it is just phenomenal. It is an art. It is a science. It is a lifestyle. Like, she is, I've never, I've never seen a home gardener who has produced such, like, it's a, it's a, it's a thing of beauty. I'm, I'm so overwhelmed by this garden. So we'll have some pictures so you guys can get the, the visual, but, um. A quick little production note is we had some audio issues for the first uh, four or so minutes. So um, please bear with us through that. There's, it's not 
terribly distracting, but there's a slight echo with Graham and Caroline. Um, so if you can just stick with us through those first few minutes, uh, we'd appreciate that because it gets, it gets, it goes away. And it gets and then, smooth sailing. Then it's smooth sailing. <laughs> All right, everyone. Enjoy Caroline and welcome home. Welcome home. Okay, welcome to the home hour, Caroline. We're so happy to finally get you on the show. This is a really, really fun special episode for us. Hi, Kirsten. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so jealous. I wish I were in Birmingham with you guys. Okay, so Caroline, we've introduced you to our listeners and told you a little bit about our, your story. But um, I think first things first, Caroline, why don't you introduce yourself and tell everyone how you met us? How I met y'all. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm Caroline Malatesta, and I'm from Birmingham, and I met you two, Kirsten and Graham, in college, and we ended up being college roommates, and now Graham and I live in Birmingham. And that is hard for me. <laughs> yeah, it is hard for you, but I mean, let's be honest, like, I probably wouldn't live in Birmingham if it weren't for Caroline. I mean, technically- yeah, Do you really want to hear the whole story? <laughs> I could tell the whole story. Or... <laughs> there's too much editing that we would need. To be there's, the there's a lot of background here, but needless to say, I may or may not have met my husband because my husband may or may not have been flirting with Caroline. And so, long story short, so many years later, two children and many years in Birmingham, I'm now here. So yeah, we, we go back a long time. Yes, I think we're now in a 20-year friendship. But um, despite the fact that we are so close and we've known each other for so long, I had a friend call me out of the blue and say, hey, you know your friend Caroline, who I've met like once or twice? And I said, yeah. And I said, I think she's on the cover of Yahoo News. I think she's on their homepage. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what? Are you? Why? Why? And lo and behold, Alabama mom awarded $16 million in a lawsuit. And Caroline, you are one of those people we know and love well enough to just call you now like our super Crazy rich dudes. friend. <laughs> <laughs> love you guys. Caroline, you should share your money with us. Like that's really what we're on. <laughs> Do you want to sponsor okay, the home you're out? now making me uncomfortable. <laughs> Okay, let's I'm officially <laughs> uncomfortable. Oh, I, you've been uncomfortable for years. We always take you to for new years. places where you're uncomfortable. You do. We you do. do. Remember when we started Graham making you wear me like so many life lessons? <laughs> for better or for worse. Not to go out on a Saturday night in track shorts. Like we've we've st always steered you right, Caroline. <laughs> Listen to us. You always have. But the thing we love about Caroline, I must say, is when I met her, I think I was 18 coming from New York, and her maiden name was Dumas, right? And so she actually, I think, was driving a car that had, like, Dumas on the license plate. And it was an Alabama, what was it, an Alabama? No, it didn't. <laughs> yeah, it definitely no vanity did. plates for me. <laughs> Um, I think it had Dumas on the back, didn't it? And it was like, who is the dumbass from Alabama? <laughs> <laughs> and lo and behold, best friends, Probably of course. Like an old shirt. But what I'm getting at, right, <laughs> Caroline has always carried a plastic bag as her handbag and um, like a bag you get from a supermarket. And I think you still do that. Pretty much. Sometimes. Yeah, and it's Sometimes. genius. And it's actually, I've, I've done it myself a few times. Like, there's nothing better than just carrying your junk around in, like, a Walmart bag. <laughs> as so, I was saying, all that money is being wasted. You gave me, though. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Buy yourself a good purse, lady. Okay, so Caroline, let's go That's back to the Graham's beginning. That's what supposed to do for me and then hand it down to me when it's no longer fashionable enough. Right. Oh, I remember when I met you and I was wearing some 
some kind of in style. It was right when capri pants came out, and you looked at my pants and kind of squint in your little your little <laughs> your little trademark squint, and you said, "Are those them new fashionable pants?" <laughs> I did not. Say yes, it you like did. That. And I said, oh, and I and I said, and I said, yeah. And you said, "Oh, I don't wear any new fashions. I just wear what people give me when they are not in style anymore." <laughs> <laughs> probably did oh my god so, oh, wait wait I can think, i just tell our listeners that's why i have stylish friends this is amazing for someone who does not care at all caroline is like probably the most drop-dead gorgeous person i know and she always uh. somehow magically in a, in a closet full of just who knows where these clothes came from not even Graham. her size maybe Graham. maybe people just drop off bags for their height that their high schoolers no longer interested and caroline <laughs> always is just beautiful and amazing so it's 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 like honestly magic like she's got like some magic stuff going on over there but anyway we're not here to talk about fashion although we should do a whole nother podcast on caroline's awesome fashion but (laughs) (laughs) this really is a treat for us this is a fun trip down memory lane like honestly i mean truly caroline's a good guest but like we just like to commandeer her whenever we possibly can um but and she tolerates us but yes but we want to hear your story caroline and i know you feel a little bit uncomfortable sharing your story and you don't want it to be about you. You're really doing this fight for, you know, you consider this a a really big women's issue. And I know that this is something that's larger than you, but you know, you're kind of the face of it now. And, and we want to hear your story. So walk us through, you had three great normal births and three happy, healthy babies. And then you got pregnant for the fourth time. Is that a good place to start? Sure. Yeah. I had, uh, I would say great normal. They were wonderful births. They were your typical medicalized birth. Um, you know, I look back and I think there were probably risks I took, but everything ended up fine and I have very fond memories from those births. Um, and then my four, I got pregnant the fourth time and that's when I started realizing from my friends around the country were starting to have babies. You guys were having babies. And, um, I started realizing there are a lot of different ways that you can give birth and that birth is handled. Um, and in Alabama, we just don't have options, especially 10 years ago when I had my first baby or almost 12. Um, and so that's when I decided that I was going to have a natural birth. And I would not even say, I want to say, first of all, I'm not a natural birth advocate. I am a advocate for evidence-based birth and, and women's choices in their birth. Um, but that's when I decided that I was going to have a natural birth and a local Birmingham hospital was advertising and targeting those women, um, because, you know, that was a growing market and they were in the midst of a fierce competition with a local hospital. Um, and these are their words that they were trying to capture and cater to, um, these women. Right. And Caroline, just to put this in perspective, your your dad is a physician. You're not anti-medicine or anti-hospitals or anti-doctors. No, not at all. And not you were, I mean, all. you were always like also like open to, you know, eating organic and kind of being, you know, wellness and health in all ways. But I never considered you like totally out there on the hippie dippy spectrum. You were pretty mainstream. <laughs> you never ate your placenta. No. <laughs> no, but that would be the choice of some. And that's cool. no, no, I'm just I'm just trying to right. let people know who you are. Okay. Yes. No, that would not be, um, you know, really the reason I, I think had I had a horrible medicated birth, you know, my perception of it would be colored. Mine were so perfectly wonderful that I didn't have a negative perception of a medicalized birth. I just saw my births were so easy that it seemed very unnecessary. And I just, 
you know, wanted to let nature do its thing. And because this hospital was advertising it, my doctor clearly said to me that I had taken unnecessary risks on behalf of me and my baby and that letting nature take its course would be the safest thing. So, you know, that was serious to me. And that's why I decided to do it. And by the fourth baby, they basically come like flying out of the toaster oven, like they fall across. Out, right, right. So, <laughs> so you were right, really right. thinking this was going to be. Like I was a trip, talking a trip down Easy Street. I was talking on uh, the telephone about ten minutes before my baby was born. So <laughs> who were you yes. talking to? Uh, I was telling my doula, who I had I had hired a doula, and I was telling her she might as well come on to the hospital and meet me. Um, or I was telling her I'd just arrived at the hospital and to meet me. There, I had just not seen it necessary at home because I slept through my whole labor again, a fourth time labor. Right. So you have a a high pain tolerance. No, I have a very low pain tolerance, actually. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, tell us. She lived with you for years and years. Her pain tolerance is pretty darn high, but maybe (laughs) in a different way. Okay. (laughs) This is so delightful. (laughs) It is so delightful. I miss you guys. Okay. So, um, okay. So, Caroline, now is where the story really becomes, um, takes a turn. And why don't you just Tell everyone what happened. Okay, I'll try and tell it somewhat briefly. But so I, um, I started having contractions um, the night um, he was born. I labored at home. I stayed at home. Um, I think my contractions were like twenty minutes apart. I finally decided to go in um, uh, because I thought my water had broken, but it hadn't. Um, so we went to the hospital. Told my doula to meet us there. Um, and when we arrived at the hospital, um, my nurse told me to get in bed, um, because they needed to strap on the monitors and to use the restroom beforehand because I might not be able to get out of bed for the rest of my labor, depending on the doctor's orders. And I had gone through the whole effort during my pregnancy of swapping hospitals from the one I had had my first three babies in and... You know, based on their marketing and their promises, I had researched birth. So I had a very specific plan that I had discussed with my doctor. And my doctor told me was safest based on medical evidence. And that plan involved walking around. It involved using the wireless monitors that that were promised in the marketing. Um, And they clearly said in the marketing that for the, quote, duration of your labor, you could walk around. Um, So I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, I was in such shock about how different what this nurse was saying, um, how different it was from the marketing that I just almost felt like, have I walked into the wrong hospital? And so I started, you know, I started saying, well, my doctor told me I could walk around. Why do I have to do this? And she made it very clear that she was not going to answer questions. She wanted me on the bed, uh, in the bed, on my back, strapped to the monitors uh, for continuous monitoring. And so we're going back and forth for a while and I'm very frustrated telling her I need to get off my back. I need to get off my back. Finally, I felt a really big contraction coming on. I realized my water exploded everywhere and I realized that the baby was coming out and I flipped to my hands and knees and said, I can't do this on my back anymore. And he's coming out. And she grabbed my hand and flipped me over. It's hard to describe. Um, and she pulled my hand out from under me, so I fell on my back, and I flipped over, and 
then I was trying to get back on my back and I had my foot up on her shoulder and the side of her neck, like fighting her. The baby's coming out during this process and another nurse is holding the baby's head in um, and they're waiting for the doctor to get there. And then the doctor arrived and the baby was born immediately when they let go of his head. And in that whole process, I sustained a very, very serious injury. Um, fortunately, my baby was okay, even though they put him at risk too, but um, I was not. Right. So the positive of this is, is that you have a precious little boy who is healthy and thank every, God, yes. you know, thank God that he is, is good, which is obviously the, the silver lining in all of this. But what you had to go through to get that healthy baby and what you had to go through unnecessarily is, is really the heartbreak there. Well, and this is like life. I mean, these are lifelong scars that were, this is a trauma that you'll carry forever. I mean, I, this has been years. Um, how old your son now is? is almost six years old. And let me say that my story, I actually have written it out in a much more articulate way um, on Birth Monopoly's website. If you just Google Birth Monopoly and Caroline, you'll find it. But Yes, and we'll link to all, we'll link better, to all of the yeah, links. Yeah, I tried to sum the, it up. That's a much better. Right, um, right. But for those people listening who want to just hear the story, that's right. pretty much the story. And, um, and of course, we'll link to all of your articles and the publicity around the trial. Um, all of that on on your on our website, thehomeyard.com. <clears throat> but um, so, Caroline, do you want to talk about what the last few years have been like for you? And let's start right after the birth. I mean, I remember seeing you at a wedding, and we were like, Caroline, like we've heard enough. Like we don't want to talk about your private parts anymore. Like we are here for a wedding. Oh, gosh, <laughs> I forget. I think the whole way home, I was googling what was wrong. And I kept landing on my condition, but it actually took eight months to be diagnosed. Yeah. Oh, well, we were it. avoiding you. It was all you would talk uh, about. I was scared <laughs> to death about it. It wasn't pretty, you know, and I was, oh, no. I was know, like asking you tell questions us all like, wait, details. did this happen to you? Did this happen? You know, like, wait, did you, you know, and, and I'll spare your audience the things I was asking you, but no, but it's interesting. long story short, it, it was not happening. I mean, like other women had not sustained this injury. Right. So, well, and also it's a little known condition. I mean, it's little known, but it's not covered by insurance. It's not even recognized by medical insurance. I mean, for the most yeah, part. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, some of it is. Some of, right. For the most part, it's the real treatments and surgeries are not. Right. And so let's talk about not. what your life was like. I mean, I remember running into you like a year afterwards. And Caroline, like, you were just, I mean, dangerously thin. Like, I had never seen you. Yeah. You're, and Caroline is a slim woman who's always been fit, always been a healthy eater. But this was like beyond like oh, you look slim and good. It was like unhealthy skinny. It was like I didn't have the energy to walk around the block once because I didn't have the muscles or the or the strength to do that. I remember, so that would be unhealthy. I remember I knew. I mean, I knew, I knew Carolyn was gone too far when I was like, I've got to get her a Salisbury steak. <laughs> I, I went, know. I went to a meet in three and I was like, we I had to wear children's clothes. I could not food. wear women's clothes anywhere. I think anthropology, the smallest of the smallest sizes were um, maybe a couple I could wear. And that's because the of the part, medication, the pain medication. That was because I was so weak and my muscles had atrophied so much. Um, and I wasn't, I was in so much pain that I was just like in agony all day and wasn't able to eat. Wait, because you were still in pain from the birth or yes. because you oh, were taking yes. medicine to deal with I lived in bed pain. for months. No, no, I know, but were you in bed because of the medicine or because of the pain or both? The pain, both, really. I mean, it's the pain, you know, I would be bedridden from pain and then I would take some medicine and sometimes that would help the pain and knock me out, you know. I mean, it's 
I was I was bedridden for one or the other. And I mean, I think another really hard part of this was like that you you had these four. I mean, Caroline's family is beautiful. You see a picture of this family and you're like, oh, they're like the perfect, you know, family. They're just everyone's so beautiful and healthy and great. And then here's this mom who is supposed to be in that crazy time of life where she is just running, running, running with toddlers and babies. And you couldn't parent like you lied in bed. Your husband had to parent, your mom had to parent. And you just like you do you feel like like you missed a, a portion of parenting. Um, I mean, yes and no. Obviously, I um, I did some deep soul searching during that time. It was a very, very hard time. I mean, I feel like it's just part of my life story. Yes, I feel like I missed. Um, I was very fortunate. We we actually had to move in, uh, with my parents because I was so debilitated that I needed care as long as as well as my four children who were five or six little four children, five or six and under at the time. Um, and so I was very grateful that I had my mother to take care of them and, you know, a very supportive husband, but, um, yeah, it's, it hasn't been perfect and it's definitely, there's, there's been some, um, time to make up, um, with my children. But there's well, redemption now. There I think is we redemption should get right. So let's so right. yeah. So we've told think, the story. I think we get to that because she's I, sitting in this poor dark closet, and sitting here <laughs> like just wanting to give her a hug, being like, "Shut this down." Shut. Mm-hmm. And I know this story very well. Like Caroline's one of my best and oldest friends, and it's like, wait, I do a timeout. You're in the closet with her. Give her a hug because I do too. Just oh, we'll, we'll deal with like, the I bad audio, and you know I'm not a hugger. I mean, but Caroline, here's the thing: there is obviously you. You are still dealing with pain. You are still d- dealing with the repercussions of this today, but. Mm-hmm. There has been a change in you. And mm-hmm. and it's like I've never believed this was possible. This sounded so far out there to me, but you're like my garden saved my life. <laughs> and I, I was like, what is Caroline even talking about? And then I go to Caroline's house and I see literally, I mean, it's like Eden. It really <laughs> is like Eden. I mean, I have, well, how about this? If anyone goes to thehomehour.com and just looks, there's a picture of me and Kirsten in a garden. It's taken amidst like Caroline's boxes of like vegetation that she grows. And No, they- I'm going to have Caroline take some more pictures and we're going to put them on the show notes. Y'all have never seen anything like this. I mean, do schools call you to do like field trips at your house? It is incredible what you have built. You know, I'm actually going to teach at my kids go to a public school, but I'm actually going to teach a garden class to a uh, a kindergarten. That's awesome! Um, I didn't know that. That's at really cool. a, I believe it's a Montessori school or one of those where they're a little more flexible with their, you know, with their teaching. What you can do. Okay, um, so Caroline, how did this start? How did this gardening start? I mean, how do you go from I really can't walk around the block to I'm going to build the world's most beautiful functioning garden and only feed my family <laughs> from it? I mean, incredible. Um, so basically I've always wanted to garden in high school. I grew African violets in my windowsill. Um, and I've just always had an interest in it. I I believe those, uh, interest inventory type tests you take in high school, it said I was going to be a farmer or I recommended that. Um, but, um, we happened to be moving just around the time that like the legal stuff was going on and, um, in we built our house. Actually, a friend built it because I was not even healthy enough to be involved. But we had a large amount of space drawn out for gardens. I, I think I have uh, almost 400 square feet of garden bed space plus containers and 
other little nooks and crannies in my yard. So we had that drawn into the space. Um, and, and this was after the period where I was so sick that I literally couldn't get out of bed. I was starting to, um, I had found some treatments that were working. I was not very strong, but um, I started gardening in this new house. And I found that as I was going through that, frankly, the trauma of the litigation process, because when you're up against a big corporate bully, it's just for the most personal thing that's happened to your life. It's it's very, very, it's as traumatic as the birth was. Um, Wait, how and, long was this trial? We totally glossed over the trial. How long was the trial? Well, I was injured and then getting, let's see, I was injured when Jack was, well, a few months later, the the nerve tried to grow back and it, um, the nerve pain really set off about eight months after he was born. A lawsuit was filed two months after, two years after he was born. Um, and then two and a little over two years, two and a half years after that, we went to trial. So it was a long process. And how many um, days were you actually in court? It was two solid weeks. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, and it's, yeah, it's it's hard to listen to attorneys and all these people who is just part of their job and they go home to their families and um, normal lives, you know, talking about what you had a right to do um, and, and the choices you had a right to make or didn't have a right to make regarding your body and your birth, you know, because this is my life. So it was, it was just very hard to hear them trying to blame me for what happened. and um, Right. So in these to, whole two and a half years while you're prepping for those two weeks and while you're sort of almost like in rehearsal for these two grueling weeks, like that's the part I think people forget is there's like, you probably had mock interviews and you know, preparation and all these other things for years. And so that, oh, during that yeah. point is when you started this gardening process. Yes. Yeah, so the litigation process, was, it's slow, it's painful, you know, it's emotional. I was very, um, my lawyer was wonderful about letting me really be a part of it. And that was very healing to me and be an active participant in um, the legal process. So I was very well aware of, you know, all the briefs that were filed, all the this and that. I was uh, very well aware of those. And it was a very frustrating process. And I found that when I went out into the garden, all of my frustrations literally disappeared while I was in the garden. Um, so if I had something that was just too emotional for me to handle or too angering or too frustrating for me to handle, I went out into the garden and there was always something to do in the garden. And my family <laughs> realized, don't mess with Caroline. If she needs to garden, that is more important than anything else right now. Um, and, you know, obviously I had very, I had intensive PTSD therapy and all of that alongside, but my good maintenance therapy really is my garden. Okay. So um, Caroline, how do you, what was your first thing you did? Like, did you build like one box or did you say, I'm going to start with six boxes or did you pick one crop or did you research or like, what do you do? How did you get I had, I had the garden beds built. I, I, I didn't have the uh, physical strength to be, you know, building the garden beds, but I had all of them built at once. How many beds well, do you have? I can, oh, sorry, I can shed a little light on Caroline too, to out you a little bit. Like Caroline's a perfectionist in anything she does. So she researches and she knows, and I'll just, I mean, I'll tell you, she um, helped me get my little sad, pathetic garden that didn't go very far ready. And she gave me a bunch of seeds because she grows everything from seed, right? And so the few things that actually did sprout up, like I'd get a tomato, <laughs> but every now and then I'd get like a piece of okra or I'd get a, a tomato or something. But the plants that she grows are so exotic 
They weren't the normal <laughs> color vegetable that I was used to. So basically, they would just rot and fall off the vine because I'm like, this tomato is purple. Clearly, it's not ready. <laughs> it's definitely not ready for, you know, picking. Or nothing was like, I was ready for green okra. You know, I got like purple okra or, you know, orange carrots. Mm-hmm. Like, this one's yellow. This must be bad. So every little bit that she did, I think, was like, you research soil pHs and you you grow your own worms. She's a worm farmer. Oh, no, no, no. Let's wait, wait. The garden's beautiful, but let's go behind the scenes. Caroline, why don't you tell them about your basement? Um, my basement. That's, like, that's, that's where my grow lights are. So I, you know, get a head start on the season. Don't want to waste any time, right? So I've got a whole seed set up and um, grow lights and all sorts of containers. And worm farms? Do you have a worm I, and farm I do in ha- your house? Actually, I, actually, I nixed the worms. I let them die in their bin. That was probably wise. And um, just yesterday, ordered a new batch to get started again because it's just fun. I don't even really need them with the soil I have, but uh, it's just fun, especially going to teach a kindergartner class. I mean, I have to show up with a a box of worms, right? (laughs) You know. Okay, wait. So, Caroline, you hired somebody to build the boxes. You had it all mapped out. Like you, like you, you, you did this all on paper. I mean, let's. And I'm asking honestly because I think our listeners will find it fascinating. Yes, I designed it. Because you know that that this is sort of my secret fantasy that I will never do, um, but maybe maybe I'm never I'm not going to say never. Maybe someday I will do this. But like I don't even know where to start. You started. You did this all on paper before you ever like got on a board or bought a bunch of soil. Yes, and there there are a lot of failures along the way that have you know taught me. I, I've lost a lot of plants and learned from it. So it's not like I just did all the research and knew what I was doing. It's really one of those things. Everybody has their own, you know, the sun is different and, you know, the little microclimate is different in everybody's garden. So there's definitely a longer learning process. But yes, I started by drawing out the beds. It was sort of drawn into the plan, the general space. And then I drew out where I wanted the beds um, and ordered seeds. Um, you did everything from seed. Catalog. Yes. Wow. I mean, there are a couple of things, like some flowers that I've put around the garden, you know, but 95, 99% of it's from seed. Because there's something very fulfilling about starting something from a seed and nurturing it until it grows into a full plant. I'm seeing a metaphor or, here. I know. Or if you're I was like Graham, say, you so, just let it die. She's so deep. But like <laughs> Caroline, fall off the vine. <laughs> what's the difference between you and Graham? Like Graham, in my opinion, is kind of awesome. But then I saw her garden and I'm like, yes. oh. Yes, wasn't it sad? Well, her um her garden did not have enough love. Mm-hmm. Didn't. Maybe I was too busy podcasting. Yeah, she was not nurturing a podcast from garden. seed. No, actually, you but know I, what? We didn't do it from seed. I know where to forage for good food. I just go to Caroline's house. Yes. Right, so and we didn't do it from squash. seed. We got, like, a full-fledged plant from Megan Francis. <laughs> well... Kirsten, you know, we've been able, for my family, we've been able to grow all of our vegetables that we need. Okay, that's, some that's what I was going to ask you about. Like, how do you think your, your children, um, has this, like, changed their diet? Has this changed their willingness to eat vegetables? Are they interested mm-hmm. in this at all? Or is this, like, mommy's thing, don't touch? Uh, nope. They do not eat more vegetables, and it's very unfortunate. Oh, no. I know. Okay. I thought they would have eaten more. I know. Um... I mean, even carrots. The grocery store grows certain varieties that are just packed with sugar. I mean, it's fine. They're healthy. But, you know, they grow hybrid varieties that are, you More know, bred, yeah. for, mm-hmm. bred for sugar content. And 
So I've had to grow, like, certain carrots of mine, they'll eat, you know, certain they won't. Um, so, I, you know, I have certain ones I grow for them. Uh, I wish it would make them experiment more with vegetables. I've heard a lot of other kids it does. Mine just haven't, unfortunately. So Maybe they're too worried about the urine you're always dumping on your flowers. <laughs> wait, wait, you ruined it. Oh, okay. Now i got to explain this. We had a little rabbit problem. This was amazing. Wait, wait. Everything comes full circle. Back to that sweet little baby. Okay. Now i got to tell this story. We had a little rabbit problem. The pest guy was like, well, you know... Mature male urine keeps them away. And so I said, well, I've got a mature male in the house. <laughs> I sent my mature male out to take care of the perimeter of the garden. And you know what? <laughs> we didn't have a single rabbit That's after that. Except her six-year-old thought he could get it. No, no, no. We I'm had there. to nix the six-year-old. <laughs> I'm in Caroline's house, right? And, and I, I happen to be in town for this, by the way. Yeah. I see her son walk by with like a watering can. I know. Mike, he got a little out of hand. Let's, let's don't out the six-year-old. <laughs> well, <laughs> he might no, be embarrassed. But the worst part was dumps it straight on into a yeah, head of yeah, lettuce. Yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> then Caroline cuts the lettuce and serves it to me. No, I did you not. Did. We ate the lettuce. I taught oh. you how to cut lettuce. That picture, that pretty picture where y'all are acting like you actually know what to do in a garden. I know. Right. I know. <laughs> oh, man, oh. behind the scenes. Okay, but these For are the real. tips that you only get on the home hour. Make your husband pee on your garden. If you well, no, around. 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 Oh, see, around. Which I and don't also like... find delightful because, like, Caroline lives in a very public area. Like, there are no, <laughs> no. I mean, this is not like a backyard hedged no, it's in a by front anything. Yard garden. It's like full frontal everything. There's no private place to urinate on this Full garden. frontal in all the ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well. Okay, Caroline, I've got more gardening questions. Um, yeah, you live in a very different climate than I do, obviously. I'm in more of a desert climate. Like, mm-hmm. how do I learn? I could call you and say, Caroline, what do I do? I want to start a garden. Um, but I feel like it's going to be so different. Like, how do people learn about their localities? You know, that's a great question because I had bought several gardening books, basic garden books, and they were great, but they were written by somebody who was up in New England. And so that didn't do me uh, much good. And I found that just Google searching is the best. And you can, you know, you can find anything, you know, People gardening in, yeah, people gardening in Arizona, asking specific questions, threads everywhere. And there's, that's where I found my best information. Right. And the biggest thing here is that the whole country is divided into zones, right? And like, they're kind of, I mean, they're, they're different zones. And I think what Alabama, we're like zone six or zone seven, and you're like a zone three or something in Arizona. And basically you can plant for your zone. Hey, I didn't ask you, Graham. I've seen your garden. (laughs) (laughs) It just brings me back to college. It totally (laughs) does. good old days of just sitting around chatting. Today we're being nice to you because you're a guest on our show. Uh (laughs) Okay, wait, Caroline. Y'all have provided great entertainment for me. (laughs) I just shake my head. Um, Okay, so Caroline, what about, like, I think that, victory comes from like a success right you know you have a success and then you build you're like that was great I'm going to do more of it what is like the best beginner's guide very forgiving crops to start planting um again it depends on where you are lettuce grows like a weed um and you know lettuce is one of those things that's really hard to um to get fresh at the grocery store it's one of the more, you know, you can get great carrots or something like that. And so lettuce is probably, lettuces, um, 
And they grow in containers. They have shallow roots. They grow quickly, you know. So to, even if you don't have much space, you could start with lettuce. And, I will say the um, salad from you your house cut, did taste much better. Maybe it was the urine. It's come again, but... and you can try different kinds. You can even grow them in your planters as decorative, like decorative kale, and yeah. eat it. So if you want your planters to look really decorated, you can do that. You can grow it in a very decorative way and still make it edible. Okay, so Caroline, getting back to kind of the therapeutic element, right? You're growing, you're harvesting, you're starting from seed, you're getting your hands dirty. Mm -hmm. I mean, I assume to an extent, you mean, we just talked about kind of your muscle weakness and how you really had to not only build back physically, but you had mentally, but you had to build back physically. I mean, I can picture you out in the garden, like it's not easy work gardening. It probably brought you back alive mentally and physically. Um. Yeah, I think that'd be a good way to put it. It was definitely good exercise for me, considering how out of shape I was. Um, you know, it's not running a marathon or anything. Um, you know, and also I found that there's so many great analogies to some, you know, to life in general and the garden. Um, you know, I think such as, you know, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger, which... You know, I was a I was a real real low point with my um, with my injury, and you know, just funny little things like things I didn't know before. But like, as we learned when we compared Graham's garden and my garden, um, <laughs> you know, exposure to elements and um, you know, harsh elements and such actually make a plant physically stronger. So like, my garden is a little bit up. Um, it gets great sun, but it's up a little bit and has more wind exposure. And so, you know, in early spring, the winds are like beating down my tomato plants. Um, and when you compare a picture of my tomato plants to Graham's, I'm sure there are other factors involved now. <laughs> like the mites. <laughs> <laughs> like just general TLC. Yeah. My plant stems were what? Four or five oh, times thicker. Ten times thicker. They were, they were totally different plant. Um, so, you know, I mean, think about it. You know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You know, a little beating. Um, thickens, thickens your stem, I guess. Um, you know what? I you know, went wine tasting. Things... I went wine what? tasting like last spring. And I have to say, I think you're totally right. Like, oh, when you talk about to grapes too, I think, you know, yeah. certain harsh conditions that don't actually kill things do actually add taste. So for example, a carrot, um, carrots actually concentrate their sugars in a freeze to lower their freezing temperature and protect them. And that concentrated sugar makes a sweeter carrot. So a carrot that's got grown in a comfortable, warm environment is a bitter carrot, and a carrot harvested after a freeze is a very sweet carrot, you know? Um, what's so another you are the carrot that was harvested I am the, the carrot freeze. that was harvested after. <laughs> in case nobody's picking up on that. Um, and then, the, and then um, you know, another thing I learned is when you totally chop something down, like when Graham totally chops a lettuce plant um, <laughs> at the very bottom instead of picking the outer leaves, you know, when you think there's nothing left of that plant and it's chopped down to its stump, um, you know, and you think all, all, ho uh, all hope is lost, um, a new and a stronger plant will often grow from it. How about that, Graham? Whoa, you translate you that one. You're <laughs> it, Caroline. I can't even touch um, that. I learned that from fennel this year, too. Literally, a new plant grows out of the stump. And so that's why it's important that you grow a healthy root system um, as much as you focus on growing healthy um, or good-looking leaves. So your roots are more important than your leaves, Graham. Why don't you interpret that one? Wow. <laughs> your foundation. I, <laughs> who knew all these years? I think Caroline's throwing some secret garden barbs, by the way. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> 
I know. I can't tell if she's totally insulting you. I mean, I don't know what's going on. I love you, Graham. For um, anyone who's listening to our show, because sometimes Kirsten and I get dinged for being mean to each other, we have known Caroline. We all love each other, for, and that's why we can yeah, do this. this is, no, we this were all in like each other's weddings. Dear well, well, let's go there. Um, if you made it to the ceremony, <laughs> or all the way down the aisle and couldn't quite make it any further. <laughs> Okay, let's. We won't get on the gram with that one. Um, okay, so her, let me. Wait, another that's one that's actually very important and practical okay. gardening advice is, you know, and this is a great saying. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. A bad gardener grows weeds. A good gardener grows plants, and a very good gardener grows soil. So really, the soil that you grow in is the most important part of your garden, and keeping that soil healthy. Which is, I could go on and on about that, but. If you are going to start a home garden, um, that's the most important uh, first step is to make sure you have good soil. And we're fortunate in Birmingham to have free soil, free compost from leaves. Um, that's an, it so really it, is it's really amazing. In our town, basically, they'll come, they pick up the leaves. That's part of the kind of the, lawn, the mm-hmm. garbage disposal service here. They pick up your leaves. Um, you can just leave them at the curb at the end of every season. And this is the most, I've never in my life heard of a town that does this. It really is. It makes Mountain Brook even more remarkable. They bring all the leaves out to kind of just a facility located um, somewhere that the city owns. And what they do is they turn it and turn it and turn it and pile it and pile it and pile it. And, pile it. and they actually have it divided by years. And it's free to all residents. All you have to do is just show up and um, and just bring a truck or buckets or whatever you want and they will, you know, give you this amazing nutrient-rich compost and it just blows my mind that they do something like that. That's really unique, I would say. But what does that mean in your life, Caroline? Mm, I don't think I have meaning. For oh, that. I know what it means. It means Graham's <laughs> the one who introduced her to this free soil, so yet again, score Graham. <laughs> you you planted a friendship of soil and well, years your environment, later, your environment, a right. healthy environment. Uh is needed for a healthy person. I don't know. We had a good time. We've got to get back to gardening. Those were a c- couple fun days when we found our dirt and when we worked in my yard. That was really fun. Um, we might have to wrap this podcast up so we can go play in my yard a little bit, Carol. Um, Kirsten. All right, Caroline. Um, you're not done. Your story's not done. What's your next step? Um, so right now, uh, Berth, uh, Kristen Piscucci with Birth Monopoly and Katie Rogers, um, who's a film director, are in the process of creating a film, uh, not about me, more my story is a launching point. Kimberly, um, you, you don't, y'all don't know Kim's story. She's a woman in uh, Southern California um, who brought, who held her doctor accountable for cutting her against her consent, uh, without her consent. Um, we're going to have a film basically that highlights um, the issue of obstetric abuse and brings in other sto- other women's stories. Um, and I could go on and on about that. But Kristen and Katie just got back from Sundance Film Festival, and I'm waiting to hear an update from them. And if you follow Birth Monopoly's Facebook page, you can get more updates on that because we would love to collect stories from women um, across the country, including y'all's stories. Um, so if, if you follow that page, you can learn more about the film and, um, tell us your story too. Yeah. And also if anyone wants to share, if anyone has anything, we'll certainly pass it along. If you just send us an email, hello at the home hour.com. If you were so inclined, don't feel like you need to, but if there's something that you feel that you might 
want Caroline to know about, because she's certainly an advocate for women's rights um, in birthing, uh, then we will certainly pass that along to her. And I, yeah, I don't have any information I can show you. We have a teaser in the works, but I don't have any information right now, but very soon I will. But if you're following us on Instagram at, um, at the home hour, when that teaser comes out, we will link to it because we want to follow up with that. And, uh, and we are taping this show before it airs. So maybe it'll be ready by then. But um, truthfully, we've tried to describe this garden too. We've tried to describe the change in Caroline. If I hadn't seen it with my own eyes, I would still not believe when she said my garden saved my life. But um, man, it's incredible. You've built just a beautiful family, a beautiful home and a garden that is, it's just, you got to see it. Um, so we'll link to pictures in the show notes and Caroline, thank you for sharing your story with us. It was so fun to talk to you and truly like, I think everybody has their own struggles. Everybody has their own stories, but, um, it's just really cool what you've done. So thanks for inspiring our listeners. Thanks for having me. Thank you everyone for listening. Welcome home.